This week on the Frisco Podcast, we're chatting with Ann Anderson about protecting your family, protecting your home, and protecting your business in Frisco, Texas. Ann Anderson, welcome to the Frisco Podcast. We're glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's been very look. I've been looking forward to it. But likewise, and I think we're going to have a very interesting conversation about a topic that most people probably don't consider all that interesting, and that is insurance. But in light of some of the current events and the number of people that are impacted by those, this might be a very timely conversation for us to have. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you, I grew up in a household where my grandfather ran an insurance company. My father spent most of his career in insurance. I've learned far more about it than I ever wanted to know, but I still don't know nearly enough. And I'm sure that's true of a lot of people out there. So first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about the types of insurance that you personally are involved with and how did you get into working in that business? Well, sure. Thanks so much, Scott. Um, I We personally are involved with personal lines. So when we say that, we're referring to homes and autos, um, umbrella policies, uh, life insurance, and of course, commercial insurance also is a focus of our agency. Um, a little known fact, Farmers also does pet insurance, which people always are kind of like, pet insurance. So that's always a fun a fun side insurance that we that we offer as well. We have a lot of uh, fur friends, so we want to make sure they're protected as well um, also. And then how did I get involved with this? You know, I didn't, I don't know that I grew up saying I want to be an insurance agent, but I have always, uh, always had a big heart for people and uh, sharing uh, information and uh, as far as training even. And I believe that's really how this, how this uh, kind of works here at our agency is that we make sure we're not just saying, you know, you need this insurance, but we explain what the insurance does how policies work, and then really just guide our clients. Does this make sense or does it not? Or how can we make this fit for your family? And we spend a lot of time educating them. And that's what I think sets us apart and how we do things a little differently. And it really just, that's kind of how insurance interested me. It was, uh, I will tell you, it was a few years ago that I had sort of a major injury and I was out of work for about a year. And when I went to, was looking to go back to work, um, I said, I think this is a good time for us to start a business. And I've been wanting to do it for a long time. So my husband is very supportive. And he said, I just, I just feel that at some point, it can't be a hobby. You need to actually make a, you have to make a profit. <laughs> so um, I thought that was wise, wise words. Um, so I, believe me, some of the ideas I had were, would have been a hobby. So farmers approached me about starting an agency. And I looked into it for a long time at the at that time, I remember seeing an article that said it was one of the best opportunities for women entrepreneurs getting into business, starting their own business. And uh, I love the support that the, the parent company gives us. Uh, Farmers University is actually a real place in Michigan and California. So that, uh, that speaks to my training heart. And it's just been a, a great, uh, it was a great opportunity and it's been a great experience. Well, very I good. I, it's kind of interesting. I didn't know there was something called Farmers University, but... Uh, that definitely speaks to the training uh, aspect that they provide you and you guys provide your customers. Exactly. Yeah. It's, sometimes you see it with the commercials that they do with um, Professor Burke 
but they used to they used to do more where they'd have him like on a university campus, and it's not necessarily it doesn't look like that, but it's a real place. They've been very active training department. So, yeah. Good, good. So let's talk a little bit more about the things that people often don't know about insurance. What are the the decision-making factors? If you sit down with somebody, where do you even begin that conversation? Because I know for a lot of people, myself included, we tend to look at insurance as sort of this necessary evil or I'll get to it later. And, you know, I know from the the environment I grew up in, that's really not a healthy attitude about it. But, you know, for those that that are unsure or don't know what they need, how do you even get that conversation going? That's a good. That's a really good question. So, also, you know, there's been recent polls. Uh, I I read recently that most millennials and most people, for that part, that was really talking to millennials. They they don't know if their insurance will cover them, and they don't even know if they can trust the people they're buying insurance from. So, to me, that's a that's a huge problem because everybody needs insurance. You know, you you're you're mitigating your loss exposure by spreading it over many people. That's really what insurance is doing, or the, the risk exposure. What my first question usually to clients, after I find out how they found me, which is always, you know, interesting, but uh, I always want to ask, you know, what do you want your insurance to do for you? You know, when we have a bad thing happen, what, what do you want insurance to do? Most people are going to say they want it to pay the claim, right? It's kind of an easy answer. Um well, we have to build that policy to make sure that it will pay the claim, but also the the customer, the client needs to really understand how their insurance is going to work. And most people, a lot of people will think they know how insurance works, but when you sit down and explain what the numbers on an auto policy mean, uh, we see the 50, 150, or 100, 300, 100, what, is it, what do those numbers mean to a person and how do deductibles work? Um, do I call somebody, you know, I have, I have people who are buying homes for the first time and your home is your biggest investment for most people. And it's the American dream, right? To own a home. Well, I know how that is walking into that transaction and the fear that follows it. So if my toilet overflows, do I, do I call and make an insurance claim? If I'm locked out, do I call and make an insurance claim? And I've, I've had people get locked out of their house and they're like, do I file a claim? You know, how do you know when to file a claim, but how do I know what's covered? And and that's what I really like to go over. So we do go line by line through the policy, the big pieces of it, and kind of talk about the different coverages and really just making sure, you know, they have, you know, the, the, the best policy that makes the most sense for them. Because, you know, you can, of course, build this, this policy that addresses every little bitty thing that you can possibly imagine, and, and then the premium might be out of their comfort zone. So it's really a, a an act. It's really just kind of, kind of a taking the time, like I said, to to educate, talk about the coverages, and then letting the client kind of lead you and direct you and say, well, this is really important to me, and you know, so I really want to make sure that's covered, like mold, <laughs> for an example. So, are there any good tips or um, things that somebody you would recommend think about for knowing? when to file a claim for me, for whatever reason, I know I, it's the last place my mind goes, even when something went wrong in our, in my home or I needed to fix something, I just usually would absorb the cost and do it and not really understand that maybe that would have been covered by insurance. So what, what is the best way for somebody to keep up with all of that? It's very interesting. So the first thing you have to think about is, is this going to be more than my deductible? And before you pick up the call, the phone and call your claims department, 
you need to know that when you call claims, they open a claim. That's just the way they start that conversation is opening a claim and giving you a, a claim number. Um, but claims show up on our history of our insurance history. That, that can become, you know, maybe you end up not actually filing a claim, but you don't want that to come up later that, you know, that, that um, information. So that you, that you called and a claim was opened. So I always say, you know, first of all, consider, is it, is it going to be more than your deductible? And on a home, a lot of people have a deductible of 1% of their dwelling coverage. That's pretty standard um, for most claims. So are you, you know, if your home dwelling coverage is at $300,000, that's a $3,000 deductible. So is this something that you can do your, you can get taken care of for $500 or $1,500? You know, it's not worth it to even go down the path and the the trouble of opening a claim. You know, insurance is, I always say, you know, with with home insurance, you know, we save it for the big things. And that's why home insurance is affordable because we save home insurance for the big things. You know, if there's a kitchen fire, call the fire department, then call your insurance agent. (laughs) In that order, by the way. (laughs) In that order, yes. In that order, please. Call the fire department first. but uh, but I will tell you a funny story. We had a kitchen fire, and my kids were like, "Call nine one one." And I said, "Don't pick up that phone. <laughs> Do not follow my advice." <laughs> we threw a wet towel. I mean, we took care of it, but there was smoke everywhere, and um, it was very funny. But my my parents were visiting, and my dad said, "I can't believe you told them not to pick up the phone." <laughs> it was ridiculous. But I just it, and it wasn't a claim. There it was the goofy. It was a fire in the oven, so it was so just put everyone's mind at ease. It was a fire in the oven, but there was no damage to my house. But uh, that was the, the fire department would probably would have done more damage, <laughs> but not the fire. So uh, yeah, always is it is it the deduct is it going to exceed the deductible? Um, and I've had, and I have lots of stories, right? I mean, I've had that situation where, um, you know, our son called us one evening. We were out, and he said, "Hey, there's toilet. Uh, there's water running from the toilet, and it was clean water, by the way. But there was water running from the toilet." And I said, "Okay, well, just you know, like uh, I forgot why I come wiggle a handle. I think is what I told him." And he didn't quite word it. It was coming out of the toilet onto the floor into the family room. <laughs> I would have reacted differently. So we came home about 45 minutes later. There's towels everywhere and. It was it was hilarious, and my husband turned off the water, and I think he told him how to turn the water off or something. But um, friends have said, "Why didn't you file a claim?" And I said, "Actually, I didn't because the water was clean; it wasn't dirty. That makes a big difference. Um, it was a small area; there was no damage to the baseboards or anything. It, it would have been less than my deductible. It would have been silly to file a claim. So, um, you know, that's just the sort of things." Um, when it comes to home insurance, that's that's the big thing. I think on auto, it's different. Um, it's a little, it's a little. You know, usually there's someone else involved, so you don't really have a choice. So, in light of all of the unfortunate news we've had with the two recent hurricanes in in Houston and Florida, how is there a particular kind of coverage for catastrophic events? How do people know if they're going to be covered for things like that, whether they should be covered for things like that, especially if you live in an area that's prone to having that kind of a large scale natural disaster? You know, and you've heard this on the news, there's two different coverages in those areas. You have wind insurance and you have flood insurance. Wind insurance in Texas, and I can just speak to how we handle it with our business, with our agency, but wind insurance usually in areas that are that are in 
hurricane-prone areas, uh, tropical storm-prone areas like the Gulf, like the coast. They're covered under um, they certain counties. So you can imagine, like, uh, which ones that would be, Corpus Christi in that area. Um, they're covered under Texas Wind Insurance Association, which was um, put together, um, I can't remember the exact date, but it really does address the wind issue because private insurers, you know, after a few hurricanes, it becomes very problematic and very costly for the individuals to be insured by private insurance companies. So. Texas Wind, we call it TWIA for short, they do a lot of the wind coverage down there. But the big problem they're having is flooding, and flooding is different than wind. So you, and this is where you have multiple pieces of insurance working, you know, coordinating their efforts. So flood insurance is managed through FEMA, and um, the insurance companies that issue the policies are reinsurers is what it's called. But I issue flood policies. I issue them up here in Frisco, believe it or not. Um, I've issued some in Wiley, but um, what we're talking about when we talk about flood is what they call groundwater or surface water rising, and that's really um, where you, you know, that's the insurance you need in that situation. Okay, that's good to know. And does wind insurance cover things like tornadoes, or is that somehow separate? Yeah, so it, it... it's so funny because tornadoes are wind. We, so, of course, we have wind insurance up here, but it's different. We, uh, we have a tornado coverage uh, for, for lack of a, just calling it what it is. Um, and we have that here in Frisco. Um, in North Texas, we call it wind. We also have tropical storm coverage on our policies, but we don't really have tropical storms up here. And you have to remember that something to be called a tropical storm is not determined by the insurance company. It's determined by the federal government, determined you know, by, based on wind speed, if it's a tornado or a tropical storm. So we cover for wind here. Um, it's, the wind speeds are less. So it just it just depends on what the type the weather is, but we have that we have that obviously we have to cover for that up here. So that's built into our policies, yes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You mentioned FEMA and the Texas Wind. What was it called? Insurance Wind Insurance Association. Wind Insurance Association. Because I've often wondered how how would an insurance company, uh, pardon the expression, weather an event like a hurricane in Houston where there's so much damage. I would think that would be likely to tank a lot of insurance companies um, in terms of the the cash outlay for covering things like that when it's that widespread. Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine, you know, just going to work, looking at the business model and the, the losses, you know, it's, it's massive at any one insurance. And that's really where it comes from is, you know, co- companies were just failing and not able to pay claims and there has to be a better solution. So the state stepped in and they do a good job of addressing that need. And, you know, I'm not a big government person, but that's, there's sometimes when government does the right thing, you know, you can criticize FEMA all you want, but they are handling flood insurance in a great way. You know, not everyone's not perfect, but I will say they do a good job on flood insurance. So. Okay. That's um, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit because you're also involved with commercial lines and we speak to a lot of business owners and, you know, I think, Personal lines of insurance can be confusing enough, but business lines, I think even more so for a lot of us. So can you talk just a little bit at a high level about some of the more common types of, of business lines of insurance? What are there minimum things you would recommend any business have or most businesses? And what a business, what are the just the things business owners need to be thinking about with respect to insurance? Sure. 
So the big thing, um, liability is number one. Um, every business owner should be concerned about that. You never know when that person, especially if you have a retail establishment, if someone's going to slip and fall when they walk into your your, your business um, or an employee will, might injure themselves, you might be concerned about workers' comp, and these are the high-level um you're, you want to insure your business personal property, just as you would insure your property at home. Your business per- personal property is going to be things like your computers, your furniture, you know, the finish out maybe in your in your building, those the tenant improvements. You want to make sure that all of that's insured, especially like I said, when you're working in a retail establishment, you start looking around and all of a sudden you realize you have, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars worth of assets that you kind of don't, you don't really notice because they're just there. Um, you know, I've seen finish outs on retail spaces of, uh, you know, of as, as small as like $50,000 or as much as over $200,000. Well, if you have those sort of tenant improvements and there's a fire, what are you going to do? You know, these are real concerns. Um, the liability piece, of course, is someone slipping and falling. Also, of course, protecting your employees. You want them to get well as quickly as possible. If they're injured on the job, that's a horrible thing. So you want to be able to protect them. And that says a good thing to them, too, of course, that you care enough to protect them. There's two big things that I'm always concerned about for business owners. One of them is the business interruption, and the other is cyber liability. So two big things, especially now uh, with the whole Equifax uh, coming out with their breach this year, uh, how many million of people are affected by this potentially? Um, cyber liability is huge, and uh, business owners unfortunately are at risk. And of course, also the um, business interruption. Uh, what I like about the policies that we have is that they actually address both of those. Where we'll, you know, we will even pay for business interruption caused by cyber by a cyber breach. So, um, and business interruption is just what it sounds like. Um, there was a loss in your building, and for some reason you can't conduct business. The insurance pays you to stay; it keeps you afloat while until you can get back into business. So that's a, I think those are key pieces. But it's just a sample. There's so many other details, but high level, you know, business liability for sure. You know, that's a big thing. Is the business um, continuity piece of that? Is that based on a percentage of revenue, or how do you? How does the insurance company decide how much, if, if business is disrupted, disrupted for a period of time, that you are compensated yeah, it's, for? It's exactly based on that. So it's based on uh, annual revenue. So that's where so that they can come up with a daily rate. Okay, the daily rate. And then the, on the cyber liability piece, I think that's very interesting and, and probably even uh, more unknown for a lot of people, a lot of business owners. What kinds of things are you protecting against with that coverage? Yeah, so cyber liability, and this is speaking for farmers insurance, who I write most of my commercial with. Um, cyber liability has um, the coverages, you know, they have a breach, whether it's the improper handling of securing customer information. So somehow those credit that credit card gets compromised, that credit card information gets compromised, or your reader gets compromised, you know, and gets tapped into, or your database gets hacked. Uh, we're going to help you recover. We're going to, you know, clean up your system, which is huge uh, because if your if your uh, computer systems have been breached, now you don't trust where your data is, right? So you have to, you know, go in and first of all remedy the breach, uh, clean up the computers. There's going to be a business interruption there. We're going to handle also any of the um, state or government required remediation. So you know, where you have to give notices to clients. 
yep. make uh, availability for credit card uh, for them to pull their credit reports. We're going to handle all of that as well. Of course, we want to get you back in business as quickly as possible. We have dedicated teams to do that. So that's for right. very good. Well, and you're very knowledgeable. I appreciate all the insights. I think I've got a few things I need to go back and think about now with respect to a couple of the businesses I'm involved with. But, you know, for people that want to reach out, if somebody has more questions, if they want to chat with you and get more information, I know you guys are very high touch. You're very, very focused on training and education and just making sure that customers understand what they need to know so that they can make an informed decision. How do they, what, what is the best way for them to reach out and get in touch with you? Sure. So uh, I give all my clients my cell phone number, but I'm going to give my office number first uh, just because that's the number we can call during the work week. It's 214-619-4012. And like I said, my cell phone number, everyone can call me on that. It's 214-491-7618. And um, of course, you can email a Anderson at farmersagent.com. So it's a a n D-E-R-S-O-N at farmers with an S, farmersagent.com. That's, you know, any of those is good ways to reach me. I even tell my clients you can text me. Sometimes it's easier than calling. Uh, my phone does go to sleep at midnight. It doesn't wake me up. So <laughs> um, good if you're calling it, yeah, if you're calling at 12.30 in the morning, I may not answer the phone. I'm just I'm putting it out there. <laughs> okay, very good. And I know you are busy and all over the place too, because I see you at Legends, I see you at Chamber, you're involved in a bunch of things there. So for anybody that happens to be out and about and you're attending a Chamber meeting or you're attending an event with the Texas Legends, keep your eyes open. There's a good chance you'll see Anne there as well. And thank you so much for joining us today. This was very informative and I hope everybody got a little something to think about out of this and um, I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much, Scott. I really enjoyed it. and. Uh... You know, I hope if anyone does have questions, they give me a call. I'm glad to help and, you know, just be that person. If you see me at a Legends of the Chamber, please walk up and say hi because I, I love being involved in the community. So, Yeah, and Anne is super approachable and super nice. She'll chat with everybody. So definitely uh, seek her out. She's usually got her name, t- name badge on, so she's not going to be hard to find. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Anne, thanks again. And thank all, great, of you. thank all of you for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time on the Frisco Podcast. 